0: Welcome to Bible Study. Again, it's an opportunity for us to say hello to everyone of you listening today and thank you for tuning in. Please stay with us for the whole hour. We have a program in store, which I believe we all will benefit and learn some maybe new things. We are going to talk about laying up treasures in heaven. I would like to welcome our panel for today. And I will say hello to Will. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, Nick. It's a privilege. Brenton, it's good to have you part of this too. Thank you,
1: Nick. Uh, This is a very interesting study we're doing today. Ligia, thank you
0: for joining us.
2: Yes, thank you. It's always a pleasure and a privilege.
0: Len, thank you for taking time and uh, be part of the panel
3: Yes, well, thank you for your welcome, Nick and hello listeners
0: and hi, Jerry. Good to have you with us.
4: Good morning, Nick and panel a pleasure to be here. Hey,
0: Joe. It's good to have you part of this discussion too.
5: Thank you, Nick. Always good to be here,
0: Ken. It's good to have you with us today, and I would like to say from the beginning, thank you so much for uh, Preparing this Bible study, you are going to facilitate this discussion. Yes, good to have you part of the program, Ken.
6: Thank you very much, Nick. Always a privilege to be here.
0: As we make a couple of comments here, interesting uh, discussion I hope we'll have today. Very good topic there. Please take us through this, uh, Ken.
6: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's study, Lay up Treasure in Heaven. Today, we're going to look up into laying up treasure in heaven. Over the years, many of us have had a desire to be wealthy, to have money in the bank or to own properties. Some of us have gone to financial advisors to seek advice on how we could achieve this. Again, some of us have followed their advice, while others have not for whatever reason. It may surprise you to learn that God himself gives us advice in His word regarding money. But before we open God's word today, let us pray. Brenton, would you open with prayer, please?
1: Certainly. Father in heaven, this is an important topic that we're going to be studying today on air. Lord, laying up treasure in heaven is an interesting subject. I pray that what you'll grant us today is heavenly wisdom to know what that heavenly treasure is that we should be laying up so that we can share it with those who are listening. May we ourselves, Lord, have discernment. Give us spiritual discernment as to what is important and what is not so that we can share that with others so that they too can lay up treasure in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank
6: you, Brenton. One of the first things you learn about building investment is... It takes time, effort and knowledge. Jesus gave us the, word, the word's best investment strategy when he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But rather, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's found in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 20. Jesus concludes his investment strategy by saying, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, show me what you spend your money on, and I will show you where your heart is. Because wherever you put your money, your heart is sure to follow, if it's not there already. Do you want a heart for the kingdom of God? If so... Then put your money where it will reap eternal rewards. Put your time and your money and prayer into God's work. If you do, you will soon become even more interested in that work and your heart will follow as well. It's interesting to note those words. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Len, why is this?
3: Well, put very briefly, it simply means that anything that we have on earth is temporary. It's not permanent. Whatever we might lay up as treasure is not going to last or we may not last. But I think it would be, I think it's very important to realize That on earth, anybody, whether godly or ungodly, can lay up their treasures. However, the advice of Jesus is not just don't lay up for your treasures on, don't lay up your treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. So there must be an opposite there and the treasures in heaven are permanent things. And I would like to just briefly say that the only thing that we will take to heaven is our character. All the bits and pieces, the money, the cars, the houses, whatever it is, uh, we're not taking that to heaven. So we need to have things that count in God's uh, economy, such as... Holiness, righteousness, honesty, humility, mercy, and justice, and things like that. So the things that we lay up on earth as treasure are not permanent. And the advice given by Jesus is to uh, have things that will last permanently that we can take with us when we go to heaven with Jesus.
6: Thank you, Len. Will?
7: Uh, can you, you said something interesting that we need to put our time and our money and in prayer into God's work? And then if we do, we'll soon become even more interested in the work of God and uh, our heart will follow as well. I can't uh, help but think of a recent experience on national television, a woman on a games show, uh, when asked what she would do with the money if she won some, she said right there that it would help her towards her forever goal of buying a handbag that uh, was costing $30,000. Well, I know that guys don't always understand why you would need to carry your phone and your lipstick and a few personal items in something costing that much. And one might question if the focus was not on self-aggrandizement, what uh, good that sum might have done. But but let me bring some balance to the whole matter of uh, of being rich and uh, investing in heaven. Let me read an interesting quote, if I may, Ken. There is no sin, this statement says, there is no sin in being rich if riches are not acquired by injustice. A rich man is not condemned for having riches, but condemnation rests upon him if the means entrusted to him, and here is the point, is spent in selfishness. Money, as Lena said, cannot be carried into the next life. It is not needed there. But the good deeds done in winning souls to Christ are carried to the heavenly courts. But those who selfishly spend the Lord's gifts on themselves, leaving their needy fellow creatures without aid and doing nothing to advance God's work in the world, dishonor their Maker, I guess in a way, we could say that robbery of God is written against their names uh, in the book of heaven.
6: Brent, in you,
1: the comments? Yes, indeed. Um, Jesus answered this question in Matthew nineteen twenty-one, 21, where uh, there was a guy called the rich young ruler. We have never been given a name. We, that's what we simply know him as. Jesus said in verse 21, if you would, um, Uh, have eternal life, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, various people have interpreted that in various ways, but it seems to me that his focus was on his riches. We don't know from that story whether he wasn't already giving to the poor. Often uh, Pharisees and uh, people did give um, rather large gifts and that sort of thing, but I think Jesus is trying to say, your focus is on your possessions, whereas your focus needs to be on following me. One of the practical ways, uh, Ken, in which we can give right now, and Will touched on it off of air, at the current time, there's more than 12,500 people who have lost their lives in this Turkish earthquake. Now, if you go onto the ADRA website, you can give money right now, you can give a single donation or you can give a monthly donation. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning that this is something practical we can do for those who have, literally, absolutely nothing.
6: Very true, Brenton. One of the other things that can happen if you have many expensive things on Earth, of course, is that they can be stolen or destroyed, they can wear out, things can go out of date. It can be expensive to maintain. You may also gain many friends because you are wealthy, but you may be too busy to enjoy them. You could also die unexpectedly and don't get time to enjoy them. What is another very important point that could happen with treasure on earth? Chill.
5: Well, another uh, very important thing that could happen, and that is the most important thing, is that you could lose your family. Apart from losing your personal connection with God, um, you could lose your family by spending too much time on your earthly treasures. And that might be your car, your boat, it might even be, you might even be a gamer, it might be video games, it might be entertainment, you might be a Netflix fan, or you might like going out and dining and every opportunity spent um entertaining yourself. So if you waste those opportunities to build these personal connections with your family, especially children, often that boat sails. Um children grow up not knowing their parents, not knowing their family, um, sometimes marriages break down and often it's just too late to make amends once it's happened so i think that uh, spending too much time not getting your priorities in the right order god first your fellow man second your family um and yourself last not getting that in the right order often leads to um a lot of pain a lot of pain long term and regrets i might add nick
0: yes um i think um Canon panel, this uh, kind of uh, subject, you know, this topic is rather sensitive for many people in uh, these days, because uh, we are so much uh, attached to the things around us. Interesting, this passage in um, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 36-37 thirty six thirty seven which says, For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, or what will man give in exchange of his soul? You know the problem is here that it 's a misunderstanding generally today, even in the Christendom about soul. You know, people think that whatever you do in this life, bad and good, you know, OK, things uh, sometimes can be repaired or changed. But the soul is safe. The soul will be safe there in heaven. And I think this is a, a bit of a misunderstanding of many aspects in life, because you said a bit early, Ken, where real treasure is. If your heart is there, then that gives you a little bit of indication the direction you're going on. I believe it's not just about to give materialistic things, to put uh, towards uh, uh, heavenly causes. not just about that. It's about everyday living. It's about how we approach life every day and what that shows around you. Does that show that you put the most time into earning money? Does it show that you put the most time in to build up, you know, uh, some of your goods? These are the big questions, which I believe from the beginning, we may need to, uh, to pose and see, see what we can bring from the Bible to give a clear indication from the Bible, how to manage.
5: That's very true, Nick. Joe? I've been thinking about this topic and, um, I think that the more that we have, it, it is a, a, a form of slavery, really. We're enslaved by the things that we yes. have yes. and that we perhaps <clears throat> love as well and love perhaps too much. And so, the more cars you have, the more maintenance, the more repairs, the more insurance, the more houses you have, the more clothes you have, the more whatever you have, all material things require some sort of maintenance or protection, whether it's from moths, as was said earlier, or whether from thieves, or whatever it is. And then, of course, it's just everything ages and something that and your taste changes as well. So you might have loved this house, loved this boat, loved this computer, but then come six months, 12 months, there's a new addition and, hey, you know, what do we do? Buy another one. And so I think this is, you know, a form of slavery that we're all enslaved in. We're somehow, some more than others, but we're all dragged into it unwittingly.
6: So very true. When I was mentioned a moment ago, we can lose track sometimes of a family, and problems can go that way. And I'm sure some of us know people who have been in this situation. We have heard Jesus say, lay up treasure in heaven. What does this mean? Bill, would you explain this one?
7: I think, in everything on this earth, including us, is in a state of deterioration. Material things are transitory, and we die. As Paul says, this perishable body will put on an imperishable one one day. Nothing we have on this earth will last forever. It's not rocket science to know that we need to invest our time, effort and money in eternal realities. You know, in 1954, archaeologists uncovered a ship alongside the biggest pyramid in in Egypt. It's the Pyramid of Pharaoh Khufu, also called the Great Pyramid. The ship is called the Khufu ship, and it's intact, full size, a solar bark, the type that has sailed the Nile River for centuries. The boat was meticulously built and is described as a masterpiece of woodcraft. It is 43.4 meters long. 5.9 5.9 meters wide and has now been identified as the world's oldest intact ship. Yes, it's old. It was built for the pharaoh around 2500 BC which uh, <clears throat> with it was an extensive assortment of grave goods intended uh, for use in the afterlife. The fact is, folks, it never sailed. It proved to be a valuable possession of the Pharaoh that would just lie there for 4,500 years. All that expense, time and meticulous effort, just lying there. Here is one investment in the afterlife that serves nothing more than a display piece in an Egyptian museum. Now, like the Pharaoh, most of our investments alas, cease to mean much after our death. They are, as it were, buried with us. Now, perhaps serving other purposes when we die, the worst of which are squandered by those who take over our wealth and have no regard for the gospel commission or serving humanity's needs. The Khufu ship, I believe, is recognized as one of the oldest, largest, and best-preserved vessels from antiquity. But it is also a powerful object lesson to invest in things that really contribute to our life in the hereafter. Or perhaps I could use a biblical expression, laying up treasure in heaven.
6: Thank you, Will. As earthly beings, what are some of the treasures we can put into heaven? And how does this affect our lives?
2: Alicia. As we remain interconnected with God in our lives by spending more time with him, talking to him, praying to him, studying from his word, Jesus' character is implanted in our character. It's it's like uh, we are getting reprogrammed our computer so whatever we do in our lives comes automatically, good deeds towards those around us, good deeds toward God. And by this, we are storing good treasure in heaven, you know, um, sharing our testimonies with others, helping others in, in, in any way financially. And, uh, you know, paying, uh, returning tithe and gifts to the Lord, uh, and so on. Gary, do we have some examples where people
6: honour God and by doing so, they up treasure in heaven?
4: Yes, wh- uh, one, of course, that comes to mind is, uh, is Noah. Uh, if you go right back to the beginning almost, uh, it wasn't all that long after God created man that... Um, Things went pear-shaped, um, and in fact, if you look at uh, Genesis chapter 6, it talks about the wickedness of man and um, and how the uh, thoughts of men were only continuously evil, and God had no choice but to destroy the human beings that he'd made, because essentially, I guess, the rationale was this has to be stopped. It's, it's It uh, has gotten completely out of control um and it must have broken God's heart to do or to do what he had to do um and so in his mercy he said to to Noah to sound the alarm basically and he gave 120 years for people to repent and to turn their lives around and we know from the bible that in fact no, it wasn't the only one who served God, but certainly the group that did was by far in the minority and and God in his mercy um, gradually laid to rest all those who who loved him people like Methuselah and uh, Enoch and many others who would have uh, assisted in building the ark now that took um a, a big life change i guess you could call it for noah he um it showed where his focus was it wasn't in this it wasn't focused on this world he it says here that um he uh for 120 years he was busy building the ark warning the people of the coming flood that would destroy everything that had life but he also assured them that they would that all who would uh, prepare for the event by repentance and reformation, would find pardon and be saved. So, Noah not only gave the warning message to the world, but his works, in other words, the life he lived, gave evidence of where his heart was. He put everything he had into uh, building the ark. He invested everything. So that's where his treasure was. Um, and yet, we know from the Bible that he was regarded as a fanatic. Surely. Surely this would never come to pass. Surely it was contrary to the character of God to punish transgression this way. It's never going to happen. Um, But we go on to see that Noah never wavered in his mission and his faithfulness to God. You know, people living prior to the flood only thought of temporal gain, but Noah's focus was entirely elsewhere. His focus was on the Lord and being faithful to God, and he was willing to, to give all to uh, be faithful to God and to to, to invest everything he had in the work of God.
6: An amazing story, and it has been proven that water covered the entire earth at some time. Fish bones and seashells have been found in the top of the world's highest mountains, and there are some important points worth looking at here. Ben, what are these?
3: Well, I... Uh... We'd like to read from Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. These are the words of Jesus about a tremendous event, just as the flood in the days of Noah was a tremendous event. There's a tremendous event yet to happen, and that's the coming of Jesus. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this of course is a warning. It's a warning to the people of our time Or any time But uh, I just want to point something out here You know there are people who say They do not believe the Old Testament They claim that it's just a whole lot of myths Or moralistic stories However Jesus believed in the Old Testament And he referred to Events of the Old Testament And this is one of them At least 17 times So anybody who says they're a Christian And yet they claim that the Old Testament Is redundant Is really uh, contradicting themselves They believe Jesus and what he says And yet they don't believe the Old Testament But Jesus did So they've got a big conflict You see Why did God destroy the world Back then with a flood It was because Of the violence and the Evil that was being practiced And we have the same Thing today People have less And less time for God Statistics show That there are less religious People now Than what they were five years Ago and there are Five years ago, they're less than what they were five years before that. People have less and less time for God, and it seems to me that they are laying up their treasures on earth for the here and now, forgetting that Jesus is coming again and forgetting that there is an eternity to be lived if they so choose. So a warning. By Jesus About this business of just Living for the here and now Laying treasures up on earth Where people should be Looking toward eternal life With our lovely God Whom we serve
6: Len that reminds me of An ad that I saw some time ago On television I forget what it was Their advertising But the slogan was Live now and pay later And as Christians who know the Bible very well, we really can see this happening today, that people are living it up and spending it up, having no idea what is coming. And I think many people looking around this world today would have to agree its people are out of control and mankind does not have the answers to solve the problems.
0: What I would like to just um, say uh, um, here is, We need to be sincere with ourselves because we can talk about these principles. We can talk about others. But what about me? What about how I see uh, these things happening in my life? And I'll give an example. We live this in the Western world, in a society where the pressure is on all those things which we mention here, to have the things, not to be categorized as a fanatic. If you may take a decision to serve God in a way then other people may think that that's a fanatical move, then we are very quick to better be in line with how people think about us. But if to serve God or to follow God, you may be categorized, fanatical, or better probably take the example of Noah and do what Noah did, rather than what's the pressure around. I know people who took some decisions in their life to go, for example, in Kalahari Desert to help the the people there, or who knows where in this world. And I heard comments saying, oh, that's a little bit extreme. Why should you go there? There is plenty of work to do here. That's true. But that call for that person was maybe to go there. And I wonder how I support that. How I encourage somebody who take a decision like that. You see, we need to look a little bit out of square. Because when we, particularly even through a program like this, when we try to share with other people... We can share whatever it's beneficial for us too. But let's come out of square and just simply say it. How can we make a difference in this life, in this world by not gaining or, or putting treasure in, in, in this world, but into the heavenly places? I would love to see or hear some of those stories.
6: Well, Nick, that's an interesting point, and certainly uh, as Christians, helping those around us as best we can. However, speaking personally, I think it's incredibly sad that there are so many people out there today who are not interested in searching the Bible and finding out what it's about because, as we know, Jesus is coming soon, the signs are all around us in this world, and I find it incredibly sad in my heart that there's so many souls going to be lost because they can't be bothered looking into the Bible, which is very easy to prove because the uh, the scientists told this have proven so much out of the Bible that's actually effectual. But most people haven't got time for it. And, of course, when the trumpet sounds and the clouds open and we see Jesus coming, that will be too late for those people, which is very sad. There's another interesting story in Genesis, chapter 12 and verse 1 to 3, which tells the story of Abram. Joe, would you read this
5: one? Yeah. Before I do that, I think it's important to, to denote that God is not after our treasures. You might be mistaken in thinking that God wants our money and he wants our treasures, but he doesn't. He desires our hearts. And this is only for our own benefit because if our hearts are dedicated to anything else, it will be to our own hurt. So we've got to get those priorities right. It is also evident that wherever our hearts are, that our treasure will soon follow. And um, and it's another important thing to f- remember is that uh, there is a text that says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So it is possible to fool oneself and technically not lay up treasure on earth, but our hearts are far from God. And so, um, that's something that we need to keep in mind. It's not, it's not the treasure God is after, but the heart. So I will read, um, this, these couple of verses from Genesis 12, where it tells us about the story of Abraham or Abram at that time. And God calls to Abraham and says, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here we have God speaking to Abraham says, leave everything behind, all your friends, the safety of this place, come away to a place I will show you. Now he was about, he was 75 years old and it's not something that many of us will probably want to At the age of 75, he was probably living in a beautiful home surrounded by the culture and arts of the day, great food, comforts of living in a city where he would have been respected. Imagine the trust that he would have had to have had in God to leave this comfort zone. Out there, there were so many unknowns, he didn't know where he was going, unknown dangers, unsure food supplies, water sources, and yet he obeyed. And you have to remember that no matter how much you pack for an expedition like this, there comes a time when your provisions have run out and you need to replenish. Now, Abraham's faith was uh, remarkable. And even the, uh, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. We know from his life story that he was blessed and tested by God and was rewarded as a very generous, brave, hospitable servant of the Most High God. Quite an exemplary life, don't you think?
6: Well, that was really trusting God. For yeah, a couple of interesting points. I'm
1: glad Joe touched on those, and pr- prior to that we had, Lynn. Isn't it interesting? There actually are some parallels between uh, Noah's experience and Abram's experience. Noah was asked to leave his family and his home and go into an ark. He d- he went out not knowing whether he was going. God just said, go into the ark with your family and with the animals and uh, because I'm going to destroy the earth. There are some real parallels between what happened with uh, Noah and what happened with Abram, I think. And uh, it seems that there, there comes a point. Uh, the earth had become so wicked in the time of Noah that God was going to destroy it. I believe, as Joe touched on, um, he may have been comfortable in Ur of the Chaldees, but the scriptures also reveal that his family were idolaters, and God needed to take him out of that environment in order to make him the father of the faithful, which he ultimately became. Now, if you transpose that to today, those of us who are seeking to be ready for Jesus' return, God is going to take us out of this wicked world. And uh, so there's some real parallels that can be drawn, I think, between uh, what what's happening here.
6: Well, it's really
7: good to trust God. Sorry, Will, And Joe said something really impactful. He said, "She said God is not interested in all our wealth, but in our hearts." Yes. And I immediately my mind went out to the words uh, of uh, calling for a response, words words of a hymn, calling for a response. And the words say, "Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present." far too small love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all very
4: true Jerry yeah also um, it's interesting isn't it how Jesus refers to the events that happened in Noah's day Uh, and just remembering too that when Noah predicted that the world was going to come to an end and everything was going to be destroyed and that he was going to build a boat Massive vessel. Uh, They thought he was nuts. They thought he, you know, that he'd lost his mind. And yet, um, it happened. And if you talk to people, some people at least uh, today about that event, they still think you're crazy. You know, that's, that's all fairy tales. But I always uh, point them then to what Jesus said himself. Uh, in, in, in Matthew 24, verse 36, is it, um, no, thirty-seven. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus verifies the account of the flood. And if you can't get a greater authority than Jesus. So uh, for me, that's highly significant. And we see in our, as we open our eyes and look around us, it is becoming very much like the world in which Noah lived, where, you know, uh, there is so much wickedness and evil in this world. Just like in the days of Noah, it has to come to an end. And God will bring it to an end. So, we're on solid ground if we believe in the flood.
6: Well, it's certainly good to be trusting in God, but not all God people do. Sometimes we think we know better, as in the story of Lot, who was a nephew of Abram. Brenton, would you take us through the story?
1: Yes, I will. First of all, I'll tell you what the name Lot means. It means vile or hidden. Now, when you study the story of Lot, it's quite interesting because Lot was Abram's nephew. They were travelling together. They left uh, Ur of the Chaldees, which Joe touched on, together. And now they'd reached a point in Genesis chapter 13 where, having left Egypt, they were going back to, uh, towards the promised land as we know it today. And they were both actually very rich they had a lot of flocks and herds the bible records quarrels started to break out quarrels usually break out or quarrels often broke out in those days over two issues land and water and um, it seems as though the country couldn't support both of them so abram said rather than your herdsmen and my herdsmen getting into quarrels and arguments over these things look Let's go our separate ways. You choose first. Now, this is interesting to me because in their culture, the older definitely should have had the preference in being able to choose first. Instead of that, he deferred to his nephew. And we're told his nephew lifted up his eyes and he looked toward the plain of Jordan, which it says was like the garden of the Lord. In other words, there was a lot of grass, a lot of water. What did he have? Flocks and herds. So he chose to go down towards Sodom. It says in some versions of the Bible, he pitched his tents towards Sodom and Abram chose the hill country. a bad choice because in chapter 14, we find uh, a war going on between the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and a guy called Kedeleoma and some of his allies and Lot gets taken prisoner. And, Abram could have said, well, you've made your bed, now you can lie on it. Instead of that, he went after uh, the uh, those who had been plundered um, and the captives, including his nephew Lot, and he rescued them, brought them back again. Then you uh, fast forward to chapter 18, where the wickedness of Sodom has become so great that um, God said, I'm going to destroy it. Now, by this stage, Lot has moved from the plain of Jordan to actually living in Sodom. In the end, the two angels who were sent to destroy Sodom had to drag Lot literally by the hand, he, his wife and his two children, and say, if you don't get out of here, you're going to perish in the city. At the end of it all, his wife turns round and looks back and becomes the pillar of salt. If you want to look at putting up treasures in heaven, he lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his family that were back in Sodom. They were destroyed. He lost his house. He lost his possessions. He lost everything. And so I think there's a lesson there. Even though he's mentioned as righteous lot in Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's almost as though he got out just in the nick of time. So I think the lesson here uh, is pretty um, obvious, Ken. We do need to lay up treasures in heaven because they're the only things that are imperishable.
6: Thank you, Brenton. Well, time's certainly getting away for us, so we we'll have to keep moving along. It's no wonder God tells us in Hebrews 13, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. How easy is it to get caught up in the riches of this world, which is going to pass, but living with God will be forever. It's so sad to hear about so many billionaires who want more and more money, working sometimes seven days a week to get as much as they can, filling their earthly bank, but having, not having a cent in God's bank. Then one day the bank forecloses, in other words, God's judgment. Those people who have nothing in God's bank will be cast into outer darkness away from God forever. We read time after time how God has blessed people if they put him first. Terry, would you give us an example here of the story of Moses?
4: Yeah, what an extraordinary life, the life of Moses. You know, from the moment he was born, he was destined for greatness. But things didn't get off to a good start. We read uh, that um, the king of Egypt wanted to kill all of the male babies born of the Hebrew slaves because they were just being becoming so numerous that he considered them a threat. And um, so he made a decision, I want to get rid of all these male children, throw them in the river, get rid of them. And it's interesting how in a twist of irony, it was the pharaoh's own daughter who intervenes, and in fact ends up adopting Moses. This is after he was raised by his own parents until the age of about twelve years old. He then had to be uh, handed over, if you like, were delivered to the uh, to the, uh, the pharaoh's palace where he he uh, was educated. But in the twelve years that he was able to be home. His Hebrew parents taught him as much as they could about his Jewish heritage and the, and the God of Israel. And he must have taken it to heart. It must have made a deep, deep impression on him. Um, he goes to the, to the, um, to the palace and he's now trained and educated in all the wisdom and military arts, it says, of the Egyptians. And he becomes a great leader in words and actions. So, Again, his life is turned upside down suddenly uh, when he has to escape from Egypt after killing an Egyptian slave master. And that's interesting too, isn't it? Because he was destined to uh, become the leader in Egypt, destined to become the, the prince, if you like. And so he was in the groomed to become the most powerful person in Egypt. And yet here, here he goes from having it all to losing it all in a heartbeat but god wasn't finished with him yet um god has a plan for moses as he does for each one of us but in in this case um the plan for moses albeit reluctantly accepted by moses was to return to egypt and lead the hebrew slaves out of egypt and um he complies And we know what happens. He is actually able to deliver them from slavery and lead them into, eventually at least, into the promised land. But he was only able to do that because I believe at least that he, in his heart, he knew who the true God was. And I think it's a testament to his mother's and, and father's upbringing that they instilled in him who the true God was. And it stayed with him for the rest of his life. And I'd just like to go quickly, if 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 I may, to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 24. It says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. So what great vision he must have had. He knew where his treasure was, and that's where his heart was also. And it's a wonderful example for us.
6: What an amazing story. God proves himself again and again if we put him first and trust us. Panel, can you share some stories where God has helped you as you keep faithful to his Word?
3: Okay, one stage of my life, I was a professional photographer And I had a contract photographing graduation ceremonies And the institution which I worked for decided to change Having those ceremonies uh, instead of during the week To have on the weekend, on the Sabbath Well, this was a problem I I chose to honour God and obey and keep the Sabbath, as the Bible tells us we should. And so I um, advertised the job. Now, to earn $5,000 in just a morning is worth having, and this is how good it was. I advertised the job. Some people rang me up and told me I was... I was off my head to give away a job like that. They couldn't believe it. Eventually, I found somebody and I said to them, whatever you make is yours. I don't want anything. So he did the job and I kept the Sabbath. Well, straight after that, the institution for which I was working decided was too much trouble Having those uh, ceremonies on the weekend, they revert it back to the week. Now, I do not have a troubled conscience because of that. Yes, I might have lost fifteen thousand dollars or something. However, I feel uh, really happy that I did what God wanted. In other words. I was laying up treasures in heaven rather yes. than just getting money. Yes. I felt blessed by doing what I did.
6: Me too then, Joel.
2: If we remain uh, permanently in uh, contact with God, serving him, loving him, doing what is right, the Holy Spirit is there with you and you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your mind, and you feel guided. You feel rebuked many times if you do something wrong. Uh And also, many times I felt protected uh in many ways, protected of accidents, uh, prote- protected by uh, being in uh, contact with bad people. I observed many times in my life that the angels of the Lord just protected me Uh, of uh, sudden accidents or uh, bad people coming towards me. So we always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, protecting us, guiding us, loving us, comforting us also in many, many ways and circumstances of our lives.
5: All I can say is that I've never, ever regretted, never regretted being obedient to God but I have regretted plenty when I haven't.
6: Yes. Mm, agree. Well, listeners, we're just about out of time. But as we, as we do come to the end of today's study, I hope you have been inspired to trust God and take him at his word. He blesses all who trust and follow him, no matter what your situation is. He is able and willing to change it. As you know, we usually share the stories from God's word, but I can assure you there are thousands more from people around the world today where God is supplying their needs in ways they never would have dreamed of. He is waiting to help you. Just humble yourself and ask God to show you what to do. Then wait on him to keep his word. I want to end today with the following scripture found in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. May God richly bless you, walk. Please do end in prayer.
2: Sure. Holy Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity. To be reminded us again to learn from the patriarchs of past, how to store up treasures in heaven. Father, please bless us with the power of your Holy Spirit, spiritual discernment and wisdom to be able to discern between perishable and imperishable things. Help us to invest like Noah Uh, Abraham, Moses, making the right choices to sacrifice and devote ourselves for others and to you. Father, please help us to remain close to you, to look at you permanently, for Jesus' character to be implanted in our character, to become like you, to receive in the end the imperishable crown that you promised to all those who will live an exemplary and humble and surrendered life to you. Father, thank you for all your promises you gave us. Help us to cherish them, keep them as our treasure in order to honor and glorify your holy name now and forever through Jesus' precious
0: name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, your input on this um, very interesting uh, uh, topic, uh, laying up treasures in heaven. My dear friend listening, I'm inviting you to come with us again uh, next time, when we are going to look at the list of these. That will be, I believe, A very practical Bible study to see how can we connect with those in need. Until then, may God richly bless you and uh, have a
8: wonderful walk
0: in the footsteps of Jesus.
8: Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up. Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea